Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Goldcamp, here with Jacob Rudner. We have a special episode today. We are bringing on Eddie Rojas from the Gator Collective. Eddie is a former Florida baseball player and has put together the Gator Collective, which is the NIL group that, that really is pushing for Florida to be able to organize deals for athletes uh, for their name, image, and likeness, be able to get them integrated with the fans. There's a lot to unpack here. So we did sit down with Eddie and talk to him for about 20 minutes or so. I think he gave us a, a real good intro into the topic, and then after we speak to Eddie, Jacob and I will reconvene on the other side and, and shed some light on what we thought was a very interesting interview. So here we go. So uh, we just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on the Gator Collective. You know, we've been diving heavy into this NIL thing, and um, look, I got to be honest with you, it seems like every day I'm learning like some new wrinkle. Um, so I guess first, could you just uh, walk us through sort of how the collective came about? Yeah, so uh, I guess when the, uh, the law broke around, I think it was July 2021, um, I started looking around the landscape at Florida and started, you know, like every other fan, just wondering what your program was going to do, what were going to be the NIL opportunities uh, for Florida. Um, and, you know, when you, I'm in a position now in my life uh, where I have an established com- uh, company. I, I got three kids. We go to all the games. Um, so I'm very invested in, you know, what's happening with Gator Nation. And when I looked around the landscape, I started wondering, like every other fan, what's going to happen? Who's going to step up? Who's going to start an NIL opportunity that is consistent? Um, I knew that it was going to be, you know, players are going to work with said pizza shop and, you know, represent a wing house or whatever the case might be. But I felt like at Florida and the great programs, there has to be something consistent, something that's built upon, something with real infrastructure. If NIL is going to be a really positive aspect to your university, and so that's what um, around August, July, August, I started asking myself, you know, uh, thinking about ideas, what would work, and then kind of realizing I wanted to do it um, since I built I built companies before, and I'm in a position where my companies uh, gives me time to do it, mm-hmm. um, and so then I started wondering what would work, and one thing that the Florida Gators have is a ton of fans. Uh, and we love our Gators, right? We're very, um, we're very depressed when we lose a recruit, right? <laughs> or we win a game or uh, a shoe flies through the swamp and we made a mistake and it affects our weekends. And so um, I naturally thought of a fan club. I said, you know what, let's, let's set up a fan club where 
the player's job description is to get to know the fans, get to do events with the fans. Um, and that's where I was like, you know, we, and, and I wanted to make it affordable as well. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting here at a coffee shop right now and, and the coffee I'm buying is probably about five, six bucks. And so every morning I'd go to like a, you know, a coffee shop, get my wife, my coffee. And the cost is about 10 bucks for both or 11 bucks for both or $6 for one. And I said, I need to make sure this fan club is affordable, that even students could afford to become part of it, but also give the opportunity for higher net worth people to actually be able to put in more money. Uh, and, but I wanted the events to always be for everyone, right? To, the way I see it is I think about the stadium. You might have some people sitting in the bleachers, right? In the, at the very top of the stadium. You might have other people in the suites, but we're all looking at the product on the field and we all feel the same way, win or lose. And so that's kind of the mindset at the Gator Collective. We want everyone to have, be able to go to the barbecues, be able to go to the bowling events, be able to join the Twitter spaces events with the players, ask questions. We're all equal in that respect. But if you're able to get involved as an elite member and want us to represent and advertise your business, or you're just a fan that can only afford to do $10 a month, either way, we want you to be able to take part of it. So that's kind of how it was built. Um, I had some great Gator fans out there that joined me in the venture, alumni that have jumped in. Um, we're kind of crazy because we all devote so many hours to this and time and effort. No one's making a dime uh, from it uh, yet. I'm hoping that it does actually make create enough infrastructure where I can pay my IT guy eventually and I can pay these people. But Gator fans have been so generous with their time uh, to make sure that this actually happens. So that's kind of our backstory. Uh, and we've kind of built upon it. Uh, and I see we're always coming up with new ideas every day as well. So, Eddie, from, from a support standpoint, how much have you guys seen in the last couple of months? I mean, just from an involvement, you know, base, like, are you getting the spectrum of, of supporters that you want from just the average student level fan and then the elite member? Like, what, what has been the buy-in so far? So, early on, like anything else, when it's new, you get a real big uptick, right? And so, immediately, kind of like a, a lot of our competitors out there, other NIL companies, we saw an immediate uptick. I mean, we were at 700 members before we could blink. But like anything else, you know, the season ends, uh, you kind of level off. So right now we're about 2,200 members, 2,200 members in. Uh, in January, we actually saw a big influx of higher net worth boosters for the first time getting educated. These are people that aren't necessarily on social media. So th this is where it gets a little hard and tedious. Now you have to pick up the phone and have conversations one at a time, right? And so we started doing that in November. That actually was our largest revenue growth time because while the, while the number of members kind of uh, leveled off a little bit, the, net, the dollar amount that people were able to come in at actually increased quite a bit. Um, that happened, uh, you know, Coach Napier mentioned us at a press conference, and I think that was the first door into opportunities to speak to major boosters. Uh, when he mentioned us, it gave us a little bit of, okay, who's this Gator Collective? And that wasn't something that people necessarily saw on social media. So we saw an uptick there. Um, you know, our revenue, our recurring revenue, this isn't our total revenue, our recurring revenue, meaning this is money that I know is coming in every year, is around 600000 now. Um, and so that's nice to know that that's money that's repeatable money. Now, we have millions in influx of one-time donations and things like that. But, you know, as a CEO, I'm always thinking, what can I count on? And that's the money that I always think about, right? Because that's the money that I know next year, I can say, this is the money I know I can offer in NIL deals. Um, and we do have other things coming out, some creative things that are going to, you're going to see this take even another step uh, that are on the horizon. Um, and I can share it with you guys here first. Nobody else knows about this yet, but 
we're planning on offering NILs per sport. And what we're going to do is we're going to rope in former athletes in each sport that are going to run their own groups inside the Gator Collective. As an example, for the basketball team, we're starting the buzzer beaters. And the buzzer beaters are going to be all former Gator basketball players, NBA or career professionals. And they're going to have an opportunity to pull their resources together, knowing that 100% of their assets are going to the basketball NIL opportunities. For the baseball team, we're starting the closers, right? The nice. closers. And the, and the closers are former baseball players at UF, uh, guys like David Eckstein, Pete Alonzo, and names that we know, as well as the guy that used to play baseball at UF that might own a construction company today. Uh, for the soccer team, I want to start the goalkeepers, right? And so what we're doing here is we're going to create subset, subsections of the Gator Collective to where not only the fans can get involved from a membership perspective, not only people like the Gator Guard and people like that can get involved from an elite revenue perspective, but also let's work with those former athletes to come back and know that their dollars are going specifically to their alma mater, their litter winning program. And that's the way we're going to end up building this to where it can actually support itself. I think that's huge because I think one of the issues that I don't know if UFs run into it quite as much, but I think one of the issues these collectives can create is, you know, universities are a little bit worried about losing some of their fundraising base, right? So those cold, cold calls maybe get a little bit harder, but if you can bring in former athletes who have played professionally or, you know, like you said, have, have, have created their own companies and are very successful and they can be another pool, I think that's one that's largely untapped right now. Am I wrong? No, and it's unique, and I fully expect others to copy what we do. You know, and, and like the collective, we were the first in the country. Uh, you know, we are the first of this kind. We saw people popping up, and actually we were getting calls from head coaches of other schools wondering what the heck we're doing here and how he can, they can repeat it at other schools. Um, you know, it, it's an amazing thing. I fully expect all my secrets to get out and what I've done, but I want to make sure Florida is the first to do all of this, right? And my job is to think of what will work. These are ideas that I have that will work. Um, and like you said, at UF, there's nearly 700 student athletes. How do you support all 700? You always hear about that one quarterback making X amount of dollars. What about the other 70 players? How are, these, how are you actually going to raise the revenue to do that? See, you think $5 million or $10 million is a lot of money. It's not a lot of money when you're talking about 700 people, right? right? But, but the way you can do that is you create subsections of the collective that actually create their own revenue. So we've done everything from, we have a fraternity house contest going on right now where they're going to get an exclusive tour of uh, the new football facilities and get to spend time with coach Napier, the winning house to having former athletes at, at UF coming in and creating their own group that are going to support their soccer team, their track and field program, their baseball team. Uh, and then you have the memberships for the fans, right? And our money's being pulled to support what we believe you know, what we should have as far as players that are going to be coming into UF, right? We need to have money for that too, because every year you have new recruiting classes, new athletes coming to the school. And so we all together, we can build an amazing infrastructure. The goals of the collective, um, I think will shock people. Uh, we, we don't want to stop at just providing opportunities. We want to build infrastructure. I envision the collective to have a location near, near the stadium, near the university in Gainesville, where we sell merchandise. Heck, I always thought the idea would be awesome if you were buying Gator Collective coffee when you come in into Gainesville and you're like, hey, I'm, I'm buying Gator Collective coffee, but, but I know that part of my proceeds is going to the athletes and to support what we want at UF. Um, and so, thank you so much. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's one, of those, it's one of those things that there's endless opportunities here. We started the Gator Collective podcast, right? 84 Reasons with Ben Troop. Uh, you know, we're working closely 
with podcasters around uh, around Florida. And again, this is not specific to my company. I want to make sure that you know people like yourselves can actually benefit from the Gator Collective. Um, you know, through becoming part of our advertising, becoming part of things that we're doing together. So that the way I see it is, we're one big community. What is it? Three hundred thousand Gator alumni live in this state alone. Gator alumni. We're not talking about regular fans that just happen to like the school. There's an endless amount of resources that Florida can pull together to compete with anyone. And I mean anyone when you have that many people that just graduated from the school. We're not talking about the other millions of, you know, millions of them that are even just fans. The key is, can we think uh, unilaterally in this? Can we, can we galvanize um, and realize that every $10 membership, every $20 membership matters? I think some people don't realize, oh, it's only 10 bucks. They won't notice if I'm not part of it. I absolutely get excited when I see one person becoming a member. Two people. I look every day. I'm like, who's become a member today? Right? Uh, eight people. And I see names, even some that I might see on social. Oh, became a member today. You know? And so we keep track of that. And we really, really, and it sounds small, right? People, oh, it's too. And I hear, I hear what people say, right? Uh, and, and I take everything personal from a business perspective, right? And everyone says business is not personal. Yeah, it's very personal. You hurt when things aren't going the right way, right? And so, but I also know that anything that you're going to do long-term, you better be very patient, very methodical. You're going to have failure days. You're going to have success days. And the way I see the collective is today, I look at my membership this morning, checking out my phone to see where we're at. And we sit at, oops, I'm getting a oops retry. So <laughs> I can't tell you right now what's happening today. Yesterday we had about 10 people become members. I was say, we'll assume it's a big number. Media. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's 10, it's 15, it's nine, but you know what? There's 365 days in a year and some days it's 40. You know, it's funny, the spring game day, you get 35 members that day because everyone's remembering football again, right? Everyone's yeah. getting excited. So I expect the season, a big event that's going to be for us is, you know, now that we're part of Gator Properties uh, and, and we're in partnership there and we're going to be um, advertised through the stadium on the Jumbotron, people are going to have easy access with QR codes to become members. Uh, you know, this this should catapult our membership from the 2,200 members. I'm hoping into the 10 to 15 to 20,000 membership range. And at that point, man, we're, we're 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 we have our skis. We climb the mountain, and we're going downhill at that point. Eddie, what's your what's your biggest challenge right now? Is it is it just getting the word out there? I mean, what what are some of the yeah. short term steps that you guys need to to sort of take? Yeah, right now we are basically a Twitter company, right? 99% of people that have become members found us on Twitter. Not believe it or not, there's a lot of middle-aged Gator fans, older Gator fans. They don't really go to Twitter that much. They might go every now and then. They have five followers, but there's more of them than there are of us. <laughs> yeah. And so getting getting the word out, getting the 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 young Gator fan that became a member to tell his dad about us, getting the fraternity brother to go to his parents and get them to become members, and that is what we need. We need the catapult moment where we are not just a social media engine that is starting a small engine. We need to go get the mainstream fan to say, dude, I can afford a hundred bucks a year. Yeah, I'll do that. You know, and if we could get 30,000 people to say that it's over, it's over at that point. We have enough money to support any major five-star student athlete that wants to choose Florida. And uh, I, as soon as the, the, the Twitter folks, you'll, you'll see me on Twitter uh, always saying, find three Gators, tell them about the collective. You know, you'll always see me saying that. If we had our 2,200 members find three Gators right now, right now, where would we be in a week? <laughs> right. You, you think about that that way. And so it, it's, it sounds crazy, but we're, you know, we, we're counting our pennies as they go. 
We're giving them out as they go, but this is a grassroots business that started with $0 on September 2nd. And today we, we collect, we're collecting millions today. So that's pretty, pretty good nine month run. Eddie, let me ask you about recruiting because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Uh, how important do you think this is going to be in terms of shaping future college football teams, both at Florida and in general? And, and was that part of your consideration when you started getting into this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, like in my day job is I'm a financial advisor, right? I know money matters. Uh, I believe, I believe, you know, when, when money enters the game, it's always going to have an important aspect to people's decision-making prowess. Now, as an NIL, we're not allowed to recruit players to come here. But the way I see it is we don't have to recruit players to come here. Jervon Dexter is going to be a host to the said next guy. Anthony Richardson is going to host the next guy. And all that athlete has to do is ask Anthony Richardson, hey, man, how, how's your NIL opportunities been here? And let him do it, right? Let him tell him, well, this is what I got here. NIL is the most important aspect. Fans that care about their university and where they're going in the future need to understand money has entered the building, right? That people talk about regulations and all that. What are you going to regulate? Somebody's personal income? We got 18-year-olds dying for their country. 18-year-olds can also make money in their country. And it shouldn't be a curse that they happen to be a football player, right? They should be able to earn a living as well. Now, they can do that now. The key to success is understanding that NILU is going to actually win the day. You don't have to say a word to a kid. You don't have to recruit him. You don't have to promise him anything. Just let the kid show up on his recruiting visit and hang out with Jervon Dexter and say, hey, you're a top guy here. Are you being taken care of? Let a top guy go to Colin Castleton. How's your NIL opportunities? And when they find out that those guys are getting paid the way they are, well, heck, Florida's on my top five. Now, now the coaches do their job. They talk about on the field stuff and what it's like being a part of the program. And together, that actually will get the top athletes in the, in, the, in the United States. And the way I see it is 300 miles, 400 miles, a circle around Gainesville is every national championship you ever wanted. And I always took it personal when they leave Florida to go somewhere else. Now, if we have NILU here, it's that much Oh, Eddie, we got you breaking up a little bit. I'm going to go help another school, some, and I'm from here. I, oh, can you hear me now? Yeah, we got you can back. Can you hear me now? There you go. Okay, sorry. So what, what's the last thing you heard? Uh, NILU is kind of where it started to trail off a little. Yeah, so the idea here is to create NILU to complement what's happening on the field. And at, if we do those two things together, we're going to win. I mean, I, I know it's important to recruiting. I, we, I mean, everyone does. We're, everyone can deny it, but it, it's there. You know, it matters. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we could play a small part in helping people. You know, did you guys see Jervon Dexter tweet out? It, it, it has changed his life. Yes, we, we did. And uh, yeah. I think Anthony Richardson followed up shortly after that. And, you know, clearly you're having an impact, I think, on the current guys. I, I guess, Eddie, real quick before we let you go here, I know you got things to do. How important is it to manage that balance? You kind of just talked about it. You know, the recruiting will do itself if you take care of the current guys. How does the collective decide, you know, how to balance making it sustainable and keeping the current roster happy? Being honest, you know, I think a big part of this is we are new, right? And so when you're new, you're still raising money, meaning that we don't have millions and millions and millions of dollars to give hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of players. So we pay the players what we can pay them. And, and we let the fans know 
our ability to pay the players is based on the fans' um, uh, commitment to the collective, right? If you become members, if we sell more players, then we, we, can, uh, we can add more players. I will tell you, man, we, we've wrote deals with 70 to 80 players, 60 to 70 football players. I mean, we, we, there's, there's so, many, so many athletes that have been taken care of. Um, even, even with our money that we're kind of going around and trying to make sure we can spread it out. Um, we've also did a balancing act, you know, players talk about going elsewhere. They're, that transfer portal is a real deal. Yeah. So we've been, we've been very fortunate in that we've, we've had enough revenue to, 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 to make sure that Florida's total package is attractive to the athlete. And so, um, it's, it's, I can't emphasize enough how important that $10 a month, uh, commitment that the fan is willing to make. Uh, will go because that means that now they're a member. Now they're talking to somebody else and that's how you get exponential growth. Uh, Gators talking to Gators, finding three people a week. And I just hope Gator fans take that seriously because if we did that and took that seriously, one, two years from now, three years from now, we are going to have millions of dollars to offer in NIL opportunities. And I think we all know we need to have that. Eddie, man, thank you so much for for taking the time to join us. Uh, anything else you want to add here before we go? Anything we didn't touch on, maybe? Hey, just stay aggressive, right? Stay aggressive. Gator Nation, stay aggressive. Become part of the collective. Don't overthink the process. You know, so many great ideas go to the grave, right? People do not act. They overthink. It's very simple. If you have a lot of opportunities to give people, we will put together a winning program. And for the first time, we can do more than cheer from the stands. We can get directly involved. Guys, thank you so much for the vibe. Visit thegatorcollective.com and become a member. There you go, guys. Eddie Rojas from the Gator Collective. Eddie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Jacob Rudner. Jacob, uh, a lot to unpack there, but I think one of the things that we both came away after speaking to Eddie sort of centering on was his comments that NILU is sort of the wave of the future in college football. Uh, Let's start to unpack that a little bit because I think, first off, when we say NIL... I think what we just heard from Eddie is very much that it's not necessarily mainstream yet. So how do you sort of go from everything we just heard to 
NILU being sort of the way to win championships. Yeah, I don't think it's something that we didn't know before, but I think that this really, you know, drove it home for me. Um, we knew that college football and college sports in general were heading in a direction where the money that a program was going to be able to raise outside of the walls of its coaching offices was going to be really important in terms of fielding a team that was going to be competitive. Uh, you know, you can even look at a school like Miami, which I know our listeners aren't exactly going to want to hear, but it's the truth. You know, Miami just basically took a recruit, a transfer prospect right out of Florida's grips and Daryl Jackson from Maryland by offering him a lucrative NIL deal. According to multiple people, he's he's making over four hundred thousand dollars for an NIL deal down there. And that was able to land a prospect that Florida really needed, quite frankly. So not only do we hear it from Eddie, and I think it was really interesting the way that he put it, where schools that have NIL infrastructure in place are going to be the ones that win the games on the field and fans are going to have a direct impact in the pro in the product that they're witnessing when they go to a game on a Saturday or when they go to a baseball game and they see what they're seeing on the field, they will have directly influenced that as I think really what he was trying to say. And we're seeing that already. We might not have seen it to the full effect of watching a season unfold on the football field and seeing which teams are better and which prospects they were able to land on the recruiting trail because of NIL. But Florida fans in particular are already all too familiar, I think, with losing out on a prospect largely due to money, as our understanding. And so I think that his point is really well-founded. And it's that he needs support for the Gator Collective because it's, it's not just to keep the lights on with Gator Collective. It's really to keep the lights on in the football field, in the baseball stadium, on the basketball court. And that's really important. Yeah, I think the the other thing that was very interesting to me. So we've we've I've put in a lot of work, sort of on the back end, trying to figure out all the moving parts with NIL. And if it sounds like a lot, it is. There's there's all kinds of different competing interests and angles here. And I think one of them is, you know, sort of what I hinted at a little bit with Eddie is, you know, one of the challenges groups like the collective are going to run into is a lot of these fans that they're sort of tapping are already making booster contributions, you know, for their football tickets and all that. And so there, there is not an infinite amount of resources. And I think the thing that was really interesting about what he said was the athlete idea, right? Because what you don't want to run into is where, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul, meaning, you know, you're getting everybody to focus the money towards these NIL collectives, but then all of a sudden the UAA funding starts to drop off and you can't do the facilities, the staffing that you need, all that. Right. So it's a balance. And I think, you know, seeing guys like Chandler Parsons start to get involved in in these types of things, um, at least at least, you know, on his Twitter account, he seems like he's ready to go and chip in. And some of the athletes we heard Eddie talking about, you know, being able to sort of almost have like their private arm within the Gator Collective, I think is big. Um, Jacob, what else what else kind of stuck out to you there? That was another big thing right there. I think you just hit it. And it's that they aren't looking to necessarily pull resources that already exist within the infrastructure that has allowed the university to be successful in creating new facilities. Uh, we just saw the renaming of Florida's baseball stadium because of financial contributions to the program. Uh, and that's not something that they want to take away. They aren't even necessarily looking at somebody like Gary Condren to support the Gator Collective. Obviously, any support that they can get, they're going to take. They're not turning anybody away. But I don't necessarily think that they're targeting somebody like that 
in their process right now. I think that what he was trying to say, what Eddie was trying to say, and it's brilliant, is let's get guys like Pete Alonzo, who might not be making contributions that are currently helping on the UAA side of things as a donor, and let's get him to create something where he can directly support baseball. And he knows where his money's going, and he's able to put some, some dollars in the pockets of the players who are currently on the team. And like Eddie said, there are 700 roughly student athletes at the University of Florida. And frankly, they don't have the money yet to support every single one of them. It's unreasonable. It's tens of millions of dollars is what he's looking at. And so how do you get to that? Well, you divide and you conquer. And I think that that was kind of the point of what he was trying to say is that you have the Gator Collective, but eventually the goal is to within that, have some sort of infrastructure where you can support something specifically. And there will be former players who are pooling together with their resources based not only on them making it in a professional career in that sport, but also guys who were walk-ons on the baseball team who own a construction company. Those guys are important too. And so I, I think that between that and just the understanding of needing the money to win on the field, uh, we're, we're probably his two most important points. Plus, I think the outreach plan that he has is solid uh, if, if people can really buy into it where it's, you know, you go and you tell three people a week who are Gator fans about the Gator Collective because every dollar really does count. And so I think that that, that was also pretty interesting. Yeah, and I know that they're, they're very active. They're in pretty constant communication with the coaching staff in terms of how to grow this thing. I think, uh, you know, like Eddie mentioned, when Billy Napier sort of gave them the the nod of approval or the seal of approval that's when they started to see their numbers sort of change um you know i i keep going back to how new this whole thing is uh, I, there's a lot of big picture questions from fans that are you know a little more aware of nil and there's there's a lot to unpack that we probably didn't even get to in our in our interview with eddie just in terms of where the money's going um whether or not some of these things are sustainable i think the sustainability question for me is a big one because you're seeing, I mean, whether or not these deals end up, you know, getting paid out in full, there are guys that are individually, in one instance, getting $8 million, right? And we've talked about it a little bit, I think, on the podcast here and there. But that's going to come with some some potential downside as well, as far as locker room issues. I, my sense is very much that the Gator Collective is is trying to organize things in a way that are sustainable and sort of fiscally responsible. Um, Having said that, Jacob, there is a sense of, uh, from from my standpoint, there's a sense of the market is still trying to figure out its price, right? Like, yeah, there is very, this is a very, very fluid thing right now. And I think because it's sort of, you know, the floodgates have been opened, you're going to see people that push the envelope beyond what they can afford to, to, to make happen. And, you know, I, I, think the Gator Collective leans a little bit more on the let's make sure everything is, you know, in place before we offer things. Um, but right. I do think I do think their approach too to making sure that, you know, the current players are taken care of is very important because Jacob, you and I have we've traded texts over the last couple of days. There are guys that are one day, you know, seemingly on their way out and then the next day are back. And some of them that doesn't even have anything to do with NIL. But we're just in such a weird era now. Um, that I do think there's going to be a lot of give and take on these type of things, at least in the first couple of years. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. 
No, there's no doubt about that. I think that we're entering a phase of college sports in general where things are going to look a lot different in the next two years than they than they ever have before. And and I think that we are entering this space where college sports are really going to become closer to professional sports. And it is a free agency when kids are being recruited. Uh, your, your top football prospects are NFL free agents at this point. It's a matter of who's going to be able to pay them. And it's not even like we're talking okay, you're going to go to the school and you're going to make $50,000 a year. No, we're talking about kids who are going to make mid to high six figures, potentially even seven figure deals to go to a certain school. And, you know, I I am curious to see how that will impact the fan interest. And I'll throw the question to you Mm -hmm. is what do you think that this will do to college sports? Because think about it. We are entering this phase where, schools for them to be successful they're going to need their fans to really buy into this but how much do fans want to participate in something where you are literally taking college sports and the you know highly amateur you know version that it used to be is gone like you can throw that i I think two things one i think to some degree this has just put everything out in the open and and i think because everything is out in the open now and it's legal you have sort of the euphoria of whether it's individual major boosters like you see at Miami or, you know, collectives, you're going to see an overreaction in some cases. And I do think there's valid arguments to be made that players are likely to be less loyal to schools going forward. Having said that, there's a flip side too, because for all the people that I've seen, you know, saying this, this may ruin college football as we know it, I don't think that's necessarily inaccurate, but I don't think that the end result has to be something that isn't also very good. And what I mean by that is I've seen some of these interactions with the Gator Collective. I've seen players hop on Twitter spaces. I've seen, you know, Javon Dexter shooting, you know, a birthday video for for a huge young fan. Like, to me, there's sort of a reintegration of the fans because players are understanding, you know, if it's collectives and it's fans that are raising this NIL money for them, then they have to be sort of more engaged with the fans, right? So it's 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 almost twofold. It's one, it's created free agency. But two, I think in a lot of instances, you're seeing better engagement in ways that the fan base probably hasn't been rightfully engaged for or, or has grown less engaged with over the last right. several years. Right. I think my biggest, I don't know that fear is the right word, but I think the thing that I'm interested in seeing the most is are we going to get to a point at schools in general? This is not a Florida specific comment. Are we going to get to a point where schools are losing out on top prospects? They're just, it's not happening. And whether that's a byproduct of there not being enough money or the coaching staff, the people in place are not good recruiters and they're not able to entice kids in the way that they need to on their end to bring them into the, into the fold. I wonder what will happen when fans who are giving money to these collectives or to whatever NIL you know, effort is going on at a school, if they get frustrated and they say, I'm out, like I'm not, I'm no longer contributing to this because it's not, I'm not seeing it. There's no product. What will that, how will that reshape college sports? Are we going to get to a point where there are only three, four, five teams in the country that are genuinely competitive in a given year. And it's not going to be much besides that. Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, are we going to get to a fairly similar to where we're at right now? 
but but I, I almost wonder if it, I, I almost I, wonder if it becomes more drastic though. Yeah. I almost wonder I mean, if it the could. difference because because think about it. Like if you're at a place where you expect a top five, top ten recruiting class year in year out, and it doesn't happen, it's not delivered for whatever reason. Yeah. You're a highly contributing member of a collective or some sort of nil effort, and you expect results and you're not getting them. Are you just going to say you're done? But the reality is, is that that person backing out of their financial contributions yeah. is going to make it harder in reality for the school to be able to do what sort of you want them to fulfilling prophecy in some ways. Right, yeah. right. So I, I just, it becomes so complicated. And, yeah. I, you know, I think that it's so important clearly for fans to buy into these kinds of things if they want to see success with their teams. But at the same time, it's like, if you're a coach, there has to be immense pressure right now yeah. to very quickly put together a product, both in recruiting and on the field because you run the risk of losing that support so fast if people don't see that. You know what yeah. I mean? No, I absolutely do. And and I I you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. I to me, I think we're so early stages that there's going to be it's like it's like any early stage market, right? Like things are going to get mispriced. Some things are going to, you know, it, it's going to get out of whack, but over right. the course of a couple of years, I think there will be some sort of equilibrium found and maybe that ends up being worse than what we had before NIL. I tend to think it'll things will work out. Like I think the, the, for lack of a better word, I think the free market will kind of play out. But um, it's those are valid questions, man, and and these are going to be tough, tough, tough questions for coaches to answer. I think you know I don't know that there is a a right answer to that question right now, and I think all of those points are valid. I mean, when we talked to Mike Peterson in the spring, I mean he was very very point blank about what this could mean for you know if players start choosing to play for universities for the wrong reasons instead of love of the game, you do lose some of what makes college football, college football. I mean, right. period. And uh, so there's going to be some of that. I, I think, you know, generally speaking, it's so new, like nobody knows where this is going and to, to speculate too much one direction or the other. Um, you know, I, it's tough to do right now. So right now I, I've just got my ears open. I'm just trying to listen and learn. And no, I think that's 100%. where I think that's where a lot of people are. I, I do go back to though. I think I really think if you're looking for a positive upshot, I think the engagement with the fans is going to be potentially much better. I mean, just the fact that you know players are hopping on podcasts, which is a really popular medium now. They're they're doing these Twitter Spaces and engagement. A lot of in person, like they've got you know in person events that are planned. I, I think those things are all good, and I think the more you know those things pop up and more people are exposed to them, that's when you start to see sort of the mass adoption. And, you know, at the end of the day, you're right, though. Like, if the results don't follow, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because, look, the, the reality is there's no guardrails on any of this right now. And that's the unfortunate truth, is the NCAA wasn't very proactive. And so now we're in a scenario where it is kind of a free-for-all. And so um, I don't know if that's a good place to leave it today, Jacob. I don't, I don't know if you have anything else, but... I think, you know, continuing to explore this space, I, I would love to get Eddie on, you know, at a future point. I know that right now, you know, the Gator Collective is sort of trying to grow their ranks, um, but there, there's a lot of issues to to unpack there that maybe, you know, either talking to Eddie or or maybe we can get Marcus Castro Walker on the show potentially. You know, we had a really productive conversation with him in the spring, and I thought he had a really good handle on sort of all the different moving pieces, and there there are a lot of them. So. Oh, no, 100%. And I think that's a perfect place to kind of leave this one. I, I, I think there are a lot of questions that are still unanswered. And we had a great conversation just now with, with Eddie. And I think that we learned 
uh, and we heard some really important perspective. But, you know, I think that our questions are, we still have tons. What's interesting is I think that a great conversation with him has honestly produced more questions. Yes. Like I wish, yep. I, I would have, I, I could have talked to Eddie for two hours. And I think that I could have that, you know, that, that applies to everybody who's in this space. So, you know, if you're listening to our podcast, I think one thing that I personally want to make clear is that we have other questions. We're not done trying to explore this. And I think like Thomas said, there's going to be a, there's going to come a time where we're going to want some other people on here, like Marcus Castro Walker, who also has a great handle on this thing from the team perspective. Whereas Eddie comes from the from the collective NIL side, you know, it'd be great to have Marcus on here as well. So, so you know, look out for some of those things. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to tackle some of that. Awesome. All right, Jacob. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time today. I, I enjoyed talking with you. I, like you said, I mean, you nailed it. There's so many more questions, but you know, we only got so much time in one show. So that'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24/7 Podcast, guys. If you enjoyed it, you liked what Eddie had to say, be sure to hit like and subscribe on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on audio, please leave us a favorable review. It will help spread this NIL message to more Gators fans, which is what they're asking you to do. So that'll do it, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.